The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right, good afternoon, everybody, or good morning, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. Today... I have an awesome and special guest, Elizabeth Cantu from the Emergency Network podcast, fellow Apexer, and just all around awesome human being. I've been wanting to get her on this show for quite a long time because I think the world needs to hear her story and definitely talk about how someone has overcome their challenges and found their fearless happiness. So what I like to do, Elizabeth, is have you introduce yourself and exactly, you know, to the audience, tell them exactly what you do and, and who you are, and we'll get started. Uh, thanks, man. Thank you so much, Max, for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, too, and um, can't wait to be in this conversation with you. So my name's Elizabeth Cantu. I am the owner of Invida Coaching and also the um, host of the Emergency Network podcast. And so I'm an emergency room nurse. I've recently left the ER, but uh, a registered nurse still of 16 years, and now I coach. I coach emergency room nurses and first responders to help them overcome burnout um, or avoid it altogether. So if they're in a really bad position at work and maybe they want to transfer to a different department or they want to move up or maybe they want to leave altogether and start a new business or change their whole career. I'm here to support them to do that. That's awesome. And I know, I know you and I click not only because we were in, you know, we are, are in the same network that we belong to, but when we heard each other's stories, right, you being an ER nurse, and I used to be at one time a volunteer fireman, emergency responder. Um, I was like, I got to get Elizabeth on, on the uh, <laughs> podcast here today, because like, she said it, you heard her, everybody like burnout is a big thing in this field. It happens. And if you don't take care of yourself and I'm sure I'm going to let Elizabeth tell her story because I mean, in 16 years, you got to understand she's seen her fair share of, uh, well, you, you know, tragedy and, you know, just the stuff being an ER nurse, right. That takes a very special person, I believe, you know, so Thank you for your service and all that you do and now what you're doing for other emergency responders and helping them, you know, either get over that hump of burnout or find something different, right? Because I know I remember I shared with you, I don't know if we did it on your podcast, but I remember when I first became a volunteer, right? I, I was talking to a battalion chief and he was telling me about how this one guy, a medic, right, went into a fire 
they found this baby, but of course it, it, it didn't make it. And he, 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 what he did was, I guess it affected him so bad is that he, he handed the baby over to the other responders and then he just kept walking and never came back to the job. Right. And I'm sure you hear stories like that in, in your career, like, cause you deal with policemen, you deal with firemen, you deal with doctors, other nurses. So like, tell the audience some of the, the challenges you have faced, you know, in becoming a registered nurse and you've been one quite a long time. So let them have it. Yeah, definitely. Wow. You know, um, that's really <sighs> thinking about that story. You're sharing that. And I don't know if you shared that on the podcast with, with me, but that is such a right there is everything, you know, how many times has he, has that firefighter gone into a fire, gone into a medical call and, um, had to do it had to deal with something like that and when you go back to the station you just have to push it down there's no talking about it like we're going back we're going to make dinner everybody's going to do their chores and then we're going to try to get some rest before the next call comes in so there's no time to process and talk about things and so you get to this place where you're just you're tapped out you're emotionally mentally physically tapped out because being in these roles, you know, it takes a really strong person. And um, here's the thing about that. So many people that go into these roles as emergency responders or nurses, what is one attribute that we all have? We all want to love and care for people. We all want to help and serve people. So the thing is, is we go into these roles and we have these really kind, compassionate hearts and how much trauma can you see before you as an individual that's very compassionate and loving start to get affected? I mean, it happens all the time. And so um, I think the biggest thing here is, you know, that it, that's, that's what's the biggest challenge is I love and care for people so much. I don't want them to be hurt. That's why I want to go help. And then I'm exposed to all this death and tragedy and social issues that happen as well. Because in the emergency department, you're not just dealing with death and dying. You're dealing with people that have been abused, people that are crime, uh, you know, victims of crimes. Right. Um, there's so much more to it. And then, I mean, I've had some really crazy things happen that were on the news. <laughs> this wife, you know, and, and her husband and her lover tried to murder the um the husband and they came into my you know i was taking care of them so like it's out in the news right so i'm not like violating hipaa or anything but you know that was i couldn't believe that i thought to myself oh my gosh how can people be so evil to each other so, so not only came, are you let me ask you they came to the hospital <laughs> to finish the job is that what you're telling no, me no 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 they didn't oh. come to finish Job. He came in as a as a as a victim as a as a patient. Oh, okay. As a result of as a result of their scheme to try to um, hurt him and you know flee the country or whatever. But I just thought, wow, you know, just when you think you've freaking seen it all, <laughs> there's always something else that shows up. But you know, you also deal with those types of things and and watching and seeing like how can somebody do that to their loved one yeah and then right. you're there taking care of them I, I mean it's crazy the things that you that we end up seeing and dealing with yeah especially being an emergency room nurse you know you get to see it firsthand like right at the beginning right 
mm-hmm. like, like the firemen and police, of course, they, they bring them, you know, from the scene to you, but you like, and then they're with you for whatever period of time, right. You get to see whether it's, you know, child abuse, which I know as a mother, I know you're a mother, right. That's a hard thing for me to oh, deal yeah. with. Um, and I remember as a volunteer fireman, it was hard for me to go into a house and know that that child or whatever was being abused, but I had no problem going, Hey, we're reporting you. Like, this is not going to happen on my watch. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, it takes a special and strong person to do that. Um, so, but let's go back a little bit. Like what drew you to becoming a nurse? Like I know being a helper, right? Like by nature, you're a helping person, but like, what made you decide I'm going to be a nurse and I'm going to be an emergency room nurse? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. So when I was, I was little driving with my mom, we grew up out in Lake LA, which is like out in the um, Antelope Valley area. And so when I grew up, there was no cell phones. Well, I mean, there were, but like the big ones, you know, <laughs> yeah, the big old, like on the, I always think of hot tub time machine when he's like on the slopes listen, or talking on his phone. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so we're driving, it's about 30 miles from town, from my house to town. And um, I'm going to town with my mom and her friend and we're driving. There's nothing out there. I mean, there's, it's a desolate road. So if something happens and you're in a car accident, you're like praying to God, somebody will drive by and go get help because then they got to drive to the next town. So we're driving and all of a sudden I just hear my mom and her friend like screaming And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? You know, I was like nine or 10. And this lady was driving. She had this huge lifted brown Ford Bronco, like the, um, what's it called? The, you know, the OJ Simpson Bronco. (laughs) (laughs) Bronco. And it was lifted. But you know what? When we rolled up on it, there was fluids and glass and um, all over the road. And she had, it had been a single uh, car rollover. So she flipped her car and was ejected from the vehicle and she was laying out in the middle of the road. So she's in the middle of the road, the car is on the roof, the tires are still spinning and there's glass, there's fluids everywhere. And so my mom and her friend are screaming and her friend is a nurse. Okay. So my mom goes to like, she pulls up and I open the door and I'm like booking it out of the car. And she's like, Elizabeth, screaming at me like, where are you going? She doesn't want me to see this because I'm so little. But I ran up on this lady and I was holding her hand. And I didn't know at that time she was taking her last breaths, Max. Now I know, right? All these years later, now I know that this lady had severe, you know, internal injuries and she was she was taking her last breaths and I was holding her hand through that and so people just you know they drove by and so we flagged them down to get to the next town which was about 15 miles away to call uh rescuers to come so imagine that like she's been sitting out there on the road for I know that the tires were still spinning so it just happened but now we're waiting for somebody to go get help and then the paramedics to come out and grab her. And um, I mean, I think that kind of sparked my interest in wanting to be a nurse. And, if, and and here we go. Then I stepped into this role of being in trauma. Right. You know? So you knew from early on that this is what I want to do, right? Yeah. So thank you for sharing that because that's um, 
a lot of us don't get that experience, right? I mean, some of us have, but like at that age, right? It's like, you didn't even hear mom. I'm just going to help this lady. Cause I <laughs> don't stop me, you know? And um, so what I like to talk about with my guests, right. Is, is how they overcame those challenges. So I know we're going to talk. I want you to talk a little bit like personally, some of the challenges as a nurse and as a mother, right. Which mm -hmm. to me is the most important job on this earth. The toughest job on this earth, right. Is being a mother. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So talk about some of those challenges and then we'll talk about more about, you know, being an ER nurse and what are some of the biggest challenges you faced as an ER nurse. Yeah, absolutely. So, so first of all, you want me to talk about the challenges that I've faced as a nurse and then as a mom? You can either or, whatever okay. you want to start with. Okay, so well, I'll talk about, um, you know, the challenges. I think they kind of lead into each other. And, you know, when I first started working, um, I was single and, you know, spending all my time at work. I loved working. And um, <laughs> you're one of I those love nurses, me. Elizabeth. Yeah. Please go home. Your shift is yeah. over. No, no. <laughs> I got I'm work to do. This yeah. I'm just gonna help give this med. I'm, I'm, let me. We're doing CPR. I'll be right out. You know, right. like yeah. I was. I really, really enjoyed my job. And um, you know, after I got married, it was it was interesting. I I um, I found that it was really challenging to communicate with my husband. And so, because when I, I started out as an ER, or as an ER tech, okay, and then as an LVN in the ER, and then as an RN. So, like, I just kind of climbed my way up. Right. <clears throat> and I remember coming back home, and it was my dream. My dream was to work at a level one trauma center. I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to finish because I met my husband when I was in LVN school. I said, I'm going to finish. I'm going to be an RN and then I'm going to work at a level one trauma center. And that's what I'm doing. And that's exactly what I did. And, um, but the thing was, is he kept telling me, he said, God, you're changing so much, you know? And um, it's true. I was, I was changing. I was changing to adapt to my environment. Yeah. And that being in a level one trauma center, you know, you're really, you're so focused on being there and helping, but you also have to become a different type of person to be in that job full time. Right. It's really challenging because then you start to see more things and, um, you know, working at a level one trauma center, you see a lot of sick people and that's where everybody goes, you know, and then everybody comes through the ER anyways, but at a level one trauma center, you're seeing all the specialties. So you're yeah. seeing like the worst of the worst of the worst. Right. And so I'd come home and try to talk to my husband about it, which he was not very like emotional anyways. Like, you know, if I would cry and stuff, sometimes he's like, I don't know what to do. So <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a good, um, it wasn't a good match from the beginning, you know, but that's just, you know, no, nothing bad to say about him that he just didn't know how to process right. my emote, like help me process things. Mm -hmm. And so I came home and I wanted to talk to him about stuff. Cause I, here I am. I I'm, you know, now a mom, right. So now I'm a mom. And at the minute that I became a mom, everything started changing for me. Like now when I saw pediatric deaths, Oh my God, it affected me that much more because I started thinking about my kids. Right. I can't, you know? I can only imagine. I mean, it was, it was really challenging, but, you know, I would come home and, and I was in a bad mood because we lost somebody, 
I was in a bad mood because, you know, some people weren't showing up at work and, and I'm like working extra and then helping take care of their patients too. So then I started getting annoyed because I'm like, damn, I'm already tired. And then I'm here helping these other people out, you know, or some doctors that are in a bad mood because they've got their own stuff going on and then they're taking it out on us. So it's like all this combination of having to keep it together at work because you're taking care of patients and then dealing with everybody else's emotions right makes it really challenging you well, know it doesn't give you very much time to handle your own right like oh no no you got it coming at home you got it coming here at work right mm -hmm. and it's hard like you said to you know and nothing again but like having a partner right or a husband or a wife who doesn't understand right where they're just looking at you like well what do i do with this right because mm -hmm. you know as well as I do, you have to get thick skin doing what you do. Like, because you oh. see things every day. Like, if you were, very, I want to say, if you're very thin skinned, being a nurse or an emergency responder is not going to work for you because you're going to see some yeah. stuff, right? And I know, yeah, what you're you going to be crying all the time. Yeah. Right. And I know yeah. what you mean, like pediatric or kid stuff, right? I remember going on a call one time. Right. An old Weber bread truck. I'm talking like from the 50s or 60s. Right. Which back then was mm -hmm. real metal smashed mm -hmm. into a minivan that had mom and her three kids. Right. So uh, mom and two of the kids were life lighted. One was taken by ambulance. And we had no idea as the first responding firemen. Right. Like what happened? And, and I thought like at the accident, it was so bad. I'm like, no one survived. I guess how we found out though. So someone had put an article of a newspaper about that accident and how mm -hmm. they made it through and that they're doing okay. And if they could talk, tell the firemen, thank you. We, we want to thank oh. them. Right. It was in our little lounge area. And I was like, see, and that's when you go, this is why I do it. Right. This is why mm -hmm. I do it. But you also have the other end. Right. So continue because I want people to understand like that's such a tough, job like what i think this is my personal opinion nurses and teachers are the two most underrated jobs you know what i mean like you guys should because you're front line you're like you're in the trenches as we know we hear that saying all the time right like no one's more in the trenches than the nurses right right and oh, yeah. and, and i'm being a patient myself like coming out of back surgery if i didn't have like imagine if i had a nurse who was just like a total jerk or you know what <laughs> i'd have been like man you need to get me out of here you know what i mean <laughs> but you yeah. are the, you are the ones are that that make us you know feel safe like okay yeah i know i just went through a surgery but like oh, okay i got this really nice nurse you know i got elizabeth here she's taking care of me right and that's what I want people to understand. So go ahead and continue. I just thought I had to say that because when you mentioned pediatrics and, and being a parent, I was a parent when that happened. I remember going home that night and just crawling in the bed with my kids and like just staring at them. You know what I mean? Like, how lucky am I that my, you know what I mean? Because we know at an instant things can change and you're there to help those yeah. families get through it. So sorry for interrupting, but, you know, you just got no, something okay. So go ahead. Yeah, no, it's good. You know, it's the, it's in the conversation. So, um, yeah, I just, I felt like I couldn't really connect with my husband, you know? And so I always wanted to be at work and because that's where I felt the best, even though it's so crazy there, but still you feel like you have such a sense of community and connection with people because you create this bond that you are saving lives together and people don't really get it. 
Right. You know, people like when somebody walks, when the, an ambulance comes in and drops a patient off and then we all hook them up to the EKG uh, machine and we see like this huge tombstone looking EK, you know, the um, ST elevation, right. like we can all look at each other and go, oh, crap. <laughs> we better freaking understand me. Like we better get the thought. Like we all know what to do together. So I think, like you build such a close relationship with yeah. each other, and um, you know, so it's really hard. It's really hard sometimes to go home and then not have that same connection, right? With your with your significant other and your spouse, because some some people they just they don't get it or they're not open to it. Like if you're married to somebody who's a first responder, like you really need to be open to helping them, um, helping them find someone to talk to. Like if you can't hold the space for them and things are getting really heavy, then you need to find someone that they can talk to, to share how they're feeling. Because that's where, that's where these like feelings of suicide, people start drinking, people start going and doing drugs. People start having affairs on their spouses. Like all that stuff starts to show up if you're not showing up for them. Right. Right. You and know? you just said, I mean, it's a two-way street. I get it, but you're in a tough mm-hmm. job. Like for me, it's, it's, it's a blessing, you know, to be married to the wife I have now because she mm-hmm. gets it. She knows, like she works with the same, almost same population I do, but just at a younger age. So we can mm-hmm. joke around and we can support each other because we get it, you know, and yeah. thank God. Right. Cause I can't imagine coming home and telling my wife something and she just goes, you're changing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, yeah, I don't exactly. understand, like, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, oh my gosh. But, but that's part yeah. of your journey though. And I'm glad you're sharing that. So thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah. So, no. And I, and I did want to add something too. Like you did say absolutely. it's a two way street. Absolutely. Right. So, so um, that's the other part that I want to talk about is, uh, you know, you come home and you, and you want to connect with your spouse. Um, you've got all this stuff on your mind. It's been a crazy freaking shift. And, um, you know, maybe your significant other, like I said, isn't holding space for you. So, you know, them being able to be receptive and help see when things are changing and help like kind of nudge you. And then also knowing for ourselves that we need to seek somebody to talk to, like, even if it's just a friend at first, like, it, you know, just to, to talk about your shift, even people maybe that were there with you and say, Hey, you know what? Today was super heavy. <laughs> you know, that really sucked what happened today just to get it off of your chest because the more that we hold things in and we don't share it, that's right. when things start to build up for us and it's not good, you know? And I know you'd ask me, also to talk about the whole mom thing, what I found myself doing was I was so tired at work, Max. I was so tired coming home from my shift. Dude, I was checked out. And I love being a mom. I love being a mom so much, but I was seriously checked out. Like I would come home, take a shower and go right to bed. You know, and like, I want to read a story with my kids. I want to give them hugs and kiss. Like I would go in and give them a kiss on the forehead and then I'd go to bed. But like, you know, I wanted to be more of a present parent, but I couldn't be because I was so exhausted at work from work. Right. You know, and that's tough, right? Like when you know that you gave your all at work, which right, we expect that of ourselves. Mm hmm. 
And then we forget that we go, well, we need to have enough in the tank that I can give to my family. And when you know that, when you have that realization, like I am tired, like I just want to go crawl in bed and that's when you got to, then you got to, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but that's when you start asking yourself, how can I do things differently so that my family Mm -hmm. doesn't suffer, right? Especially being a mom or a dad, right? Um, And that's if you're willing to. Right, right. That you have to be willing, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because if you're not willing you're going to continue to do the same thing over and over and then your kids are going to suffer right so right i I mean just being a nurse is tough enough as it is and then being at the number one trauma center so you get to see everything right Mm -hmm. And, and i've had experiences on both ends where like you know i was the first responder bringing them in or like in my case and you know i've shared that with you you know with my son having a stroke and then going into the, watching him get hooked up to a life support, you know, or my granddaughter, you know, when my stepdaughter goes, can you go in there with me and and watch, you know, and I had to watch a little three month old baby get hooked up on life support. And you know what I mean? That's why I think, I know that's why you and I connected, not only because we're folks from Orange County. Right. And, you know, but, and, but we connected because I like I, you're telling me stories and I'm like remembering the days where I, you know, cause that was my dream to become a fireman. Right. But now I'm saving lives in a different way as I've been taught. And, um, but the beauty of this whole change is that I get to meet people like yourself, right. That have been in the trenches way longer than I have and have seen some more crazy stuff than I have. I don't know. I've seen some pretty crazy stuff, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay so you talked about coming home and how your family suffered right and and your marriage obviously tell Mm -hmm. me about some of the things professionally like at work that you've experienced where like I'm sure you've gone through this I think we all have where you walk in as soon as you walk in you go like you want to turn around and go I'm done I quit you know oh yeah because you're having (laughs) you know and we don't realize it's a bunch of little things or a bunch of big things that happen right but you're like like someone says something and it may not even be directed at you, but you're like, I just want to quit and leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a very distinct moment. And um, <laughs> <it's> just- <laughs> tell us about it, Elizabeth. Yeah. Oh man, dude. it's such a bad story. Oh God. <laughs> For those of you that have a weak stomach, I apologize in advance, but so um, I remember I was working and um, actually there's two things that happened, but um, I'll share this one. So I had a kid come in and I was already contemplating, should I leave the ER? You know, and um, and this is interesting. I'm glad we're talking about this because this happens to a lot of people. Something, OK, I'm ready to leave the ER. So this kid comes in, he's abusing um, narcotics and hasn't gone to the bathroom in like he says 30 days. And I'm like, there's no freaking way in hell that you can I say a bad word? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. We're R. <laughs> okay. I'm not X-rated, but we are R-rated. We can't cuss. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so I'm like, there's no way that you have not gone to the bathroom in 30 days, dude. I don't believe it. You know, he's like, I swear, I swear to you. So he's like grabbing his stomach. He's in all this pain, and um, so you know, obviously we're giving him all the medication so that he can go to the bathroom. So man, I'm like, we're giving him everything Miralax, you know like all of the things to help him go to the bathroom he still won't go to the bathroom and i'm like oh my god this dude like he must be for real and so 
we went and sent him off for imaging and then we could see like he was just full full of it <laughs> you know and so he comes back he comes back and you know in the er we have this um it's called molasses it's molasses and warm milk it's a molasses and warm milk enema okay <laughs> it sounds so crazy i know so we give that to him and next thing you know next thing this this is like the magic sauce like that stuff when people can't go to the bathroom okay so that's the, we pull out the, the the big guns so i'm at the nurse's station and i just hear him like like oh screaming and i and i'm like oh man this isn't gonna be good so i walk back there and sure enough there is poop from the top of his gurney all the way to the bottom oh. and like all the way like covering each side like the whole thing so he and wasn't i'm lying. Like, dude i was he wasn't lying and i was like like totally <laughs> yeah. gagging I'm like, i am so i'm done i'm freaking done this is it like i cannot take this anymore so it's like that was one of the moments where i felt like you know what i cannot do this like I'm gagging. I seriously, if I have to see this one more time, I, like I felt bad for him, but it's like, uh, you know, he did it to himself because he's right. abusing narcotics. But um, I just thought, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. What <laughs> the hell am I doing here? You know? <laughs> I know. You know, we all like, I use, I, I try to tend to think I can handle some tough, and like you, right? I'm sure you've been, yeah. but like stuff like that, like I might have been the one that you saw across the room that just like projectile vomiting because Max can't take it. There he goes. He's out the door, <laughs> oh right? God. Like he's not as tough as he thinks he is because, but yeah, you get it, right? Like, you know, like babies, right? Yeah. How does something so bad come out of something so cute where you're just like, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to yeah. throw up all over my baby here in a minute if I don't get out of this room, you know, but I do. Oh, I got to admit, I, I was a diaper changer. I did that with all my kids. Stinky or not. I might have had a cover, <laughs> you know, like this, but I did it. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Well, see, I but, mean, I, I, so I got through it, though, right? Like, I was still like being very kind to him like you know it's a really embarrassing and super gross like i right. okay so so i help him and um i'm thinking okay i can't do this anymore you know right so so i took a break i took a break from the ear i'm like i'm freaking i'm not doing this <laughs> then i go back this is the cycle. This is the cycle. Like it's like a bad relation, a toxic relationship. You know, right. you you know you shouldn't be there, but you want to be there because all you can think about is the good times and like right. you saving <laughs> and all this other stuff, right? So I go back, and um, I'm at a different at a different hospital. That one was a travel assignment that I did. So I go to this other hospital, and this gal is training me, and um, so we walk into the room and. This patient had um, new diagnosis, new diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. So he comes in with his wife and like vomiting, abdominal pain, not feeling well. And um, his wife is like, I haven't eaten either in like three days because I just feel so bad because I've been with him the whole time. And so we were going to leave to go on a breakfast break. And so he was leaving to go get imaging done. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy her a breakfast burrito because she's starving. And 
she needs to eat something so that she can have energy to deal with what is happening right now. Right. You know, so I, we go down to the breakfast or to the cafeteria. I grab a breakfast burrito and I bring it back and I, I run in there to give it to her. And I'm like, eat this before he comes back from cat scan. Like you probably only have like 10 minutes left. So she's, you know, in tears and she's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. That was so sweet of you. And the nurse that was training me, uh, just a, a, um, probably like 10 minutes later, she's like, hey, I want to give you some feedback. I'm like, all right, cool. What's up? I just think you're too nice. And I was like, you know what? You don't even know me. Okay. But yes, I'm nice. But mm -mm. I I was so annoyed when she said that. And that I think is where everything started to really um, evolve for me with this whole mission of burnout. Because when, when she said to me, you're too nice. And I, because of giving that breakfast burrito to that gal and maybe not just that, but like me actually listening to the patients, because when you get to a different level in your career, now you see the bigger need, like, okay, they're coming in, but I know there's more to the story than just their chest pain, you know? So, so I take more time and I'm listening, but I thought to myself, this is okay. I'm truly done. 100%. This is where my mission needs to begin, you know? So, <laughs> well, see, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm going to tell you a funny story, right? So this is where <laughs> I've been traumatized by you nurses. <laughs> <laughs> so back when I was in the service, right? Right before I got out. Yeah, I was in the service. I had hurt my ankle, like for the third time, like, you know, one of those things where the doctor looks at the x-ray plays with your ankle and, you know, like you're sitting straight. He can twist it enough where I can almost see the bottom of my foot. He goes, yeah, you messed it up pretty bad. I wish you broke it, right? So I, long story short, I go to have the <laughs> surgery, right? And yeah. I remember after the surgery, they're like, you need to go to the bathroom. Or are we going to have to do a catheter? Well, I didn't know what that was at first, but I said, no, I'll go to the bathroom, right? Okay. Well, three days goes by, no bathroom. And I'm like, and the nurse comes in and she goes, have you gone to the bathroom? I go, let me try one more time. Can't go. I'm like, oh, man. So what is this catheter thing, by the way, ma'am? And she shows it to me. I said, well, what are you doing with that thing? She goes, what do you think? <laughs> she goes, we're going to make you go to the bathroom, you know, and I'm looking at her like, not with that thing. You're not. She goes, we have to. <laughs> and let me tell you, man, I was just like. I, I told I screamed at her, you know what I mean? I was like, oh my God. Like, and of Terrible. course, you know, my mom that's there, like comes in. I tell her about it. She goes, oh, you're a big baby. They do it to us <laughs> women all the time. I'm like, man, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, mom, this, but this whatever, you know what I mean? But I've never had that done. And I remember, <laughs> excuse me, I woke up the <laughs> whole floor because I was like, ah. She goes, but she told me what she was going to do. And so the audience, I'm not going to get graphic, but you get what I'm saying, right? That tube went down. And, oh my God. But, but when it hit the bladder and I peed, then I was, she was like my best friend. Like I gave her that look and she goes, oh, that's a different look. And I, I guess I was looking at her like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> So, you know, I I wanted this to be a serious podcast, but at the same time, you know, if we can't laugh at ourselves for the things we've been through, right. 
And and I just think Elizabeth is an awesome human being, right? Because she's trying to help. Instead of totally breaking away from the field she loves, she's finding a new way to help, right? And stay a helper. And, and I 100% admire you for that because like you said, you know, people, I gave you an example earlier, people walk away, you know, from this field all the time, right? They just get burned out or something traumatic in their brain happens, even though they've been through the same thing over and over again. But see, that's the key thing, right? Like you said, like when things happen over and over, it's like, when do we break or right now? And I'm sure you know now that they have like what they call critical incident debriefing, right? Where they, they finally start talking about what happened, like say on a call, I don't know if they do it in the ER rooms, but you know what I mean? They, no, have they don't. So, yeah. They have it on the field, like police and fire. They get that. How come but the ER that? nurses, we don't get that. No, because they're like, you know what? We don't have time for that. Like there is, there's a waiting room full of people. Okay. Bed 10 is deceased bag and tag them, move them to the next room because we got to get the next person from the waiting room. And people don't realize that. Like, right. You know, we, I have a, a dead body in the room next to you. And here I am smiling. Hi, you know, I'm going to be your nurse. Uh, um, okay. And so there's there's a dead body next to you in the room, not to like freak everybody out, but this is the reality of the situation in the ER, you know, and, you know, we got to take that person out, um, take them down to the morgue or the coroner will come and get them or the funeral home yeah. and then clean the bed and then, you know, clean the room up. And then the next person comes in. Like there's no, when do we have time to sit down and talk about it? Well, maybe there you go there. You're the person they're going to come to. So they're going to do that critical. incident that they, need with you. they need to. Right. And I remember something like that happening. And there was a kid I knew that I grew up with, like in the same neighborhood. Um, he was shot and killed by another friend, right? He was a really mm-hmm. good football player, you know, but we all still hung around like the crowds we shouldn't be hanging around with. And this guy, well, I remember when he came in, I recognized him. And then, you know, exactly what you said, they, they worked on him until they couldn't. Right. And then I remember when they told me Max, uh, cause I was a part, I was just entered the Navy and I was a part-time security guy there. They're like, Max, you need to take this gentleman to the morgue. And I'm like, uh-uh. I'm mm-hmm. doing it. That's not in my job description. Right. And so I can only imagine what someone has to do that every day, you know, day in, day out. So, like I said, you know, my heart goes out to you and I'm, and I have so much respect for you, Elizabeth, for the job that you do, because I don't think you guys get enough um, accolades. I want to say, or there's, I know there's, you know what I mean? Like for the jobs you yeah, do. Yeah. Like acknowledgement. Yeah. Acknowledgement. No. Yeah, we don't. And, you know, I I know that a lot of us, we go into the field because we want to help, you know. So, I mean, it's amazing when people say thank you and acknowledge us. It's the best feeling ever, you know, because believe it or not, there's a lot of people that come in and they treat us so terribly in the ER. I've seen it as a patient, like where I'm looking, Mm -hmm. I'm going like they're trying to help you, dude. Like, can you just chill out for a minute and just let them help you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I want to get off my gurney and go smack the dude or whatever. Dude, you (laughs) need to, you know what I mean? Like, not that I've been to the ER a lot, but like I've had a couple where I'm hearing someone screaming and like cussing at the nurses and all the nurses are trying to do and the doctors are trying to help. So, yeah, yeah, like it takes all, it takes a very special person to do what you do. So, thank you for doing that for us. Uh, Thank you, Max. I appreciate it. I, um, 
spent a lot of years helping in that area. And I really, um, I really cherish all that time that I was able to help and be part of the team that had like, you know, help people from heart attack or resuscitate them. I mean, it's, it's been amazing, but I will say one thing is, um, I understand that people are going through a lot of pain when they come in, but it took me a long time to, to realize that because I used to take things real personal when I first started. I was like, what the hell? How can they treat us like that? And then I realized, OK, hold on. You know, when I read that book, The Four Agreements, when I finally read that book and I realized, wow, you know, these people are really struggling and they're going through their own thing. And so they're not they're just projecting everything onto us and we're there and they're scared. And so, um, you know, with that, it changed my practice a lot oh, with yeah. my patients. I mean, I was always very patient and kind with them, but even more so. And, and right. I think that's where, like, I started life coaching because I was having conversations with patients and they're like having these crazy breakthroughs. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm just listening. Right. Just listening. But, you know? see, but being a, a good listener has so many benefits to it, right? Oh, and you learn absolutely. that. like, Well, because you had to learn that as a nurse, right? When you're doing your assessments. Mm -hmm. If you're not paying attention, you're not going to give them the correct care, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And I will say this. Yes, I hugged that nurse after she did that because it was, I did before I left and told her, thank you. <laughs> but I never want to go through that again. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So now I, I Thank you for being so open and honest with us. Um, but what I like to ask my my guests, right, is a couple of questions. Okay, let's see. So, you know, I wrote a book, right, called Fearless Happiness. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with fearless. What does fearless look like to you, Elizabeth? And how does that show up in your life every day? Mm, what does fearless look like to me? Fearless to me is having courage in the face of fear and doing, doing what it takes anyways. Awesome. Yeah. You can't, yeah. I can't say it any better. Right. And you're in that position every day. So thank you for sharing that with us. So happiness, yeah. as you can see, right. I put a Y in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what is happiness? <laughs> Knowing I put the Y in it instead of the I, what does happiness mean to you? And how does that like look like in your life on a daily basis? You know, happiness to me is, oh, this is good. Happiness to me, to me means being 100% me, no matter, no matter what, knowing that, that I am who I am, no matter where I go, regardless of meeting anybody's acceptance, like I can be me and without all of the things. Even if you were to strip everything away from me, like I am so content and happy with myself that I'm able to just shine my light no matter where I am, regardless of RN behind my name or being in the ER or anywhere. Right. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, if I was over there, I'd give you a big hug. I love that answer. Uh, <laughs> um, so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for being a guest today. I had been looking forward to this for so long. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and joining me on the show today. Uh, but before we part, I want to ask you if there's any first responders or any of the doctors or nurses that are listening to the show and they mm -hmm. want to work with you, 
right? Because they're at that point where like, if I don't get help, I'm either going to quit because I'm burned out or I can change it, work on myself and then get right back into the grind. Um, how would they get a hold of you, Elizabeth? Where yeah, can so they, they find can you? Find, well, they can find me on my uh, website. It's invidacoaching.com. Um, so it's um, I-N-V-I-D-A. Like in means in, vida means life. So in life, yeah. <laughs> or they can find me on Facebook, also at Elizabeth Cantu. Um, that's, the, that's the easiest place to find me. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to ask you this. What is one piece of advice you would give my audience today that would help them grow as a human being? Mm, one piece of advice to help them grow as a human being. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth and have the courage to listen to yourself. I think a lot of times, you know, we put this facade over ourselves or we feel like we need to be somebody else. And if we would just tell ourselves the truth and have the courage to listen to ourselves and, and follow that path, then that path leads to happiness. That's exactly what I would tell them. Yeah, you hear that audience? Boom. Awesome stuff. All right. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here. It was totally my pleasure and honor to have you on my show. Can't wait to get it out there until we see each other, hopefully at the next event, right? Or meet each other. We live not too far from each other. I'm only two hours away. But anyway, thank you for being such an amazing guest and and helping the audience understand the challenges of the job that you do at, and others in your field do that they go through every day. So I appreciate you being here until next time. I may bring you back on the show. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. oh I forgot to say the podcast, the emergency network podcast. I don't even, that totally slipped my mind. So that's also somewhere people can find me emergency network podcast. We yeah, share all kinds of stories of burnout there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know she's on Spotify and iTunes and all the platforms. So if you want to listen to her podcast again, it's the Emergency Network Podcast with Elizabeth Cantu. It's been a great time with you, Elizabeth. Um, God, like I know we could go forever on this one. So I know. <laughs> right. I appreciate you so much for taking the time. And until next time, you know, have a great day. Have a great. Oh, before I leave, everybody, if you got something out of this, if you learned something, if you laughed with us, please leave a review over on iTunes, right? Because the more reviews I get, the more people can find it. And this is going to be an amazing episode. So definitely be watching for it because it's going to be awesome. So thank you, everybody, and have a great day. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around. And now Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.maxnaist.com on Facebook at max.naist. Till next time, keep the fight and we'll see you soon.